Relationships developed in the context of a loving church environment reduce the risk of mortality and increase life's happiness. To have healthy relationships, we must invest in them. Relationships don't just happen. This is Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. Today's message, Resolving Conflict, Part 1. Enjoy, and remember you can always catch up with past messages and stay up to date with Hope Lives 365 and Pastor Mark by going to hopelives365.com. And now, Pastor Mark Finley. Our topic tonight is why interpersonal relationships matter and the effect of positive interpersonal relationships on our physical, mental, and spiritual health. Medical researchers were really baffled. They were baffled about the statistics in a little town called Rosetto, Pennsylvania. The little town of Rosetto, with its 1,653 inhabitants, had half the heart disease rates of the towns on either side of it. That was very unusual for this little Pennsylvania mountain town. There was something even more surprising that the researchers discovered. What was even more astounding was that the residents of Rosetto had half the heart disease rates of the entire nation. Researchers began to wonder why. What was behind and what accounted for this remarkable reduction in heart disease and what accounted for the remarkable health of these inhabitants of Rosetto. They began to look at various aspects of their lifestyle. Rosetta's inhabitants had similar diets, similar exercise habits, similar sleep patterns as their neighboring communities. The researchers were baffled. They said the answer is not in the area of diet for these people. The answer is not in the area of exercise. The answer is not in the area of the rest that they're getting. It's very, very similar. The more they probed, the more they discovered a fascinating fact. Here's one unique factor. The town of Rosetto was a town of Italian immigrants, and they had extremely close social ties. Everybody in that community knew one another. They tended to care for one another. They, parents of one family tended to watch after the parents of another family. When they began to look at Rosetta, they saw that strong family relationships and friendships bonded the community together. It was a community of very close, intimate, personal relationships. Parents spent unusual amounts of time with their children. Fathers bonded with both their sons and daughters. Mothers bonded with their sons and daughters. Not only were there very close immediate family ties, but there were extremely close ties with the extended family. The extended family played a major role in people's lives. They celebrated birthdays together. They celebrated anniversaries together. Anytime they had a chance to celebrate holidays, they did that together. In Rosetta, relationships mattered. People cared for one another. There was a loving, nurturing, encouraging, comforting environment. Dr. Stuart Wolf did some of the preliminary research 
and he wrote a book titled The Power of the Clan, How Human Relationships Reduce the Risk of Coronary Heart Disease. And in that book, Dr. Wolf made this statement. People are nourished by other people. Close-knit relationships are better predictors of healthy hearts than low serum cholesterol. An isolated individual may be overwhelmed by the problems of everyday life. The sense of being supported reduces stress and the disease stress engenders. If you have loving relationships, it's healthy for the body, healthy for the mind. Positive relationships between husbands and wives are health-giving, life-giving. Positive relationships in families are health-giving and life-giving. Positive relationships in the community. Strong bonds of friendship create pot the mind to produce positive chemical endorphins that bring life to the entire system. Confucius was right when he said, and what is it? Let's read it together. An angry man is always full of poison. There is something to say about healthy relationships. Now, here's the fascinating thing. In the last 10 years, Rosetta, Pennsylvania has dramatically changed. The Italian population has largely moved out. There are still, still some scattered of the old guard there, the old families, but it's more of an eclectic community, more of an ethnic mix in the community. People of varying uh, backgrounds have moved in. And interestingly enough, it has lost its unique family bondedness. When it does, and when it has, the heart attack rates in Rosetta today, after 10 years, are about the same as they are in the rest of the nation, and the same as they are in the small towns around it. The character of the community has changed, and its heart attack rates have shot up. Healthy hearts depend on healthy relationships. If you have strong family structure, if you have good friends, you're less likely to have a heart attack and more likely to have good, positive health. Interpersonal relationships make a dramatic difference. Dr. Dean Ordinish, MD, founder and president of the Preventive Medicine Institute in Sausalito, California, and clinical professor of medicine at UC San Francisco, makes quite a remarkable statement in his book on love and in intimacy in medicine. Dr. Ornish says, love and intimacy are at the root of what makes us sick and what makes us well. What causes sadness and what brings happiness? What makes us suffer and what leads to healing? If a new drug had the same impact, that's the same impact as love, virtually every doctor in the country would be recommending it to, for their patients. It would be malpractice not to prescribe it. Yet with few exceptions, we doctors do not learn much about the healing power of love, intimacy, and transformation in our medical training. Love makes all the difference in the world. If you have loving relationships, it contributes to health of body, mind, and spirit. The fewer your friends, the more you internalize your problems, the more your health will suffer. If you are the kind of person that does not have a creative friendship outlet, if there is no outlet to share problems with, if you have very few close relationships around you, if you tend to internalize stress 
internalize anxiety, internalize the burdens that you carry, that becomes extremely destructive to health. Everybody needs somebody that they can share their burdens and their heartaches and their problems with. The value of friendship from a health standpoint is incredible. It is remarkable. A 10-year study done by the Center for Aging Studies at Flinders University, Australia, revealed that those who have a network of friends live 22% longer than those that had few friends. That Australian university study said, if you have friends, if you do not isolate yourself in loneliness, if you have somebody to bear your burdens with you, it will enable you to live a happier, a better quality of life, and a longer life. Researchers at Ohio State University and Carnegie Mellon Institute have shown that people who report having strong relationships have more robust immune systems and are less likely to succumb to infectious diseases. If you want a strong immune system, develop strong friendships around you. Somebody says, how do you do that? What does the Bible say in Proverbs? A man who has friends, a woman who has friends, must show themselves friendly. If you're the kind of person that simply is pouring out and spewing out negativism all around you, and if it's an emotional drain for people to be with you, you'll tend to have very few friends. One person said, a person wrapped up in themselves is a very small package. But if you're outgoing, caring about other people, they will care more for you. And in the context of that sharing friendship, as you attempt to meet others' needs, they will then be more likely to meet your needs. A Swedish study found that having few or no close friends increased the risk of first-time heart attack by 50%. These studies are quite remarkable. Friendship has been shown to lower blood pressure. It's shown to increase the white blood cell count and build the immune system. It's been shown to reduce heart disease. We are interrelated, psychosomatic. We are interrelated in our physical, mental, and spiritual health. And if you want to be healthy, making positive choices, getting adequate rest, absorbing the environment of fresh air and sunshine and drinking adequate amounts of water, being actively involved in activity, developing trust in God and interpersonal relationships will put you on the way to better health. There is no one thing that we can do to improve our health. Since we're interrelated, it takes all of the principles that God gave us back at creation to produce that positive health that God wants us to have. But there is an eternal truth, and that is, let's read it together. Good friends are good for your heart. Do you have a friend with you here tonight? How many have a friend here with you tonight? Your husbands, you better raise your hands. Your wife's with you. Your wife, you better raise your hand. I want you to turn to them right now and say, thank you for being good for my heart. Turn to somebody right now. <laughs> say it again. Thank you for being good for my heart. My wife's back there. Darling, thank you for being good for my heart. <laughs> A 209 study in Buffalo, New York found that individuals with the fewest social ties were most likely to suffer from anxiety, depression, and develop heart disease. In other words, if you don't have good, strong social ties, not a good friend network, 
you are more likely to study to suffer from anxiety, depression, and develop heart disease. We'll be right back with Pastor Mark Finley. We thank you for listening and hope you're enjoying today's message. Our mission is to attractively present the Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in a practical, relevant way to people around the world so that they may experience the abundant life that Christ offers and effectively share with confidence His life-changing truths with others. You can support this ministry and help us reach even more by going to hopelives365.com slash donate. And now, back to Pastor Mark Finley. You know, the Bible is not only spiritually true, but when you read the Bible, it makes a great impact on physical health. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 and 10. For two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to lift him up. That statement is not only true from our mental health, it is also true from the standpoint of our physical health. You know, when we stumble along life's road, when the burdens of life seem to be so heavy, when we seem to have our life crushed out with financial burdens and health burdens, and we feel lonely and discouraged to have somebody by our side, somebody that says, you know what, you're important to me. Somebody that says, I'm sorry that you're going through this and what can I do to help you? Somebody that lifts you up. Somebody that encourages you. Somebody that inspires you. Doesn't that make all the difference in the world? Wouldn't you like to be that kind of friend to somebody else? You know, the more we develop those friend net, friendship networks, the more our health improves. I love the poem, The Miracle of Friendship, by an anonymous author. He says, there is a miracle called friendship that dwells within the heart. And you do not know how it happens or even when it starts. But the happiness it brings you always gives a special lift. And you realize that friendship is God's special gift. The first principle tonight that we're taking a look at is friendship plays a part not only in our emotional health, but friendship plays a dramatic role in our physical health. But there's a second principle. Friendships developed in the context of a caring, loving church environment significantly impact our longevity, our health, and our happiness. You may not have been aware of this, but research indicates that when you have friendship in the context of a loving church environment, that produces health. When you find a Bible-based church, that shares the grace and love of God and reveals his truth from Scripture. And when you become part of a loving, non-judgmental, caring congregation, that produces health not only spiritually, and it not only produces encouragement, but the research is that that produces health for the body. A University of Berkeley, California study done in 202 reported on the results of a 31-year study of over 6,500 adults in Almeda, California. Now, this is inter interesting. The University of Berkeley at California isn't known for its spirituality. It's not known for its religiosity. It's, it, it has been classically known as a secular university. But here's what the study indicated. People 
who attend religious services have significantly lower risks of death compared with those who never attend or attend less frequently, even if you adjust for age, health behaviors, and other risk factors. So if you want to, in, in, if you want to have great health, be heading for church pretty soon. Church is good for your health. What about religious involvement in U.S. adult mortality? You know, the United States government does demographic studies, and in those demographic studies, they gather all kinds of information. Some of that has to do with church-going habits. Notice what a recent study in demographics outlined or stated. Mortality rates for men and women who frequently attend religious services appear to be lower than the rates for those who attend less often. Frequency of religious service attendance was significantly associated with lower mortality risk for the overall population as well for each gender and racial group. Respondents who attended religious services more than once a week tended to have lower risk of mortality compared to those who attended religious services less frequently. Now, there may be a variety of factors in this in addition to the aspect of attending church. People who attend church may ha have better other health practices in their lives. They may smoke less, drink less, and have better diets. We recognize that. But here's the point. We are interrelated human beings. We are physical, we're mental, and we're spiritual. That which affects our physical life will also affect our thought patterns. That which affects our physical life and our thought patterns affects our spiritual life. But if we have a healthy spiritual life, that contributes to a healthy mental life and healthy mental thought patterns, and it contributes to a healthy physical life as well. It's official. Here it is. The official news. If you attend church regularly, you may, you're 29% more likely to live longer. I'll tell you, the church is going to be packed this Sabbath. <laughs> People are going to be heading forth. I haven't attended church for years, somebody says, but I want to live 29% longer. Well, I'm not so concerned about the motive you attend. Just get there and the Lord will touch your life. <laughs> An analysis of dozens of previous studies suggested longer life spans for church growers. It was done by Michael McCullough of the National Institute of Healthcare Research. I mean, that sounds pretty official, doesn't it? National Institute of Healthcare Research. He analyzed studies on 126,000 people. What did he find out? We think that this analysis pretty much establishes, establishes that this correlation of religious involvement and mortality exists, but also points to the need of a lot more research to determine just how and why its effect. Washington Times, June 5, 2000. So the researchers are saying, yeah, if you attend church, if you have good friendship. See, one of the reasons may be because as you attend church too, you develop a friendship base of positive people and uh, the worshiping of God, the sensing that God is our best friend, the developing of collegial friendship relationships in church, that makes a dramatic difference. Life expectancy in church attendance. If you attend weekly, 82 years. You attend less than once a week, 79 years. Non-attendees, seven years less. You didn't know when you came to the lecture tonight, you'd just get seven years more of life <laughs> because you're starting to attend church. You'd expect the preacher to say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Hebrews 10, verse 23 to 25, I love it. Let us hold fast. In other words, don't give up now. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. 
for he who promised is faithful. God's faithful, isn't he? And let us consider one another in order to stir up love in good works. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves, that's worship, as the manner of some is, but exert, exhorting one another so much as you, the more you see the day approaching. There are three things in the text I want us to look at. First, the Bible says assemble together. In other words, by meeting together in corporate worship. Our hearts are inspired. New courage flows into our life. Something takes place in our bodies physically that we may not totally understand. Having developing friendships in the context of the loving relationship of a church helps us to be stronger physically, mentally, and spiritually. It contributes to our physical health, our mental health, and our spiritual health. The Bible says consider one another. In other words, caring, concerned about one another. When you have somebody to consider, when, you, when we are those kind of people that reach out in love and kindness to other people, that brings health to our bodies, but it brings strength to theirs as well. I love Galatians 6, chapter 2. Let's read it together. Chapter 6, verse 2. Let's read it together. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We fulfill Christ's law to love one another as we become those kind of people that are looking out of ourselves to bear one another's burdens. I was on my way to preach on the love of God to a group of pastors, and I flew in to Cincinnati, Ohio, on my way to Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was in a February day, and when the plane landed in Cincinnati, I looked out and it was snowing. As I was running through that airport and it was snowing, I noticed when I came into the airport an announcement, all flights are canceled. And I said, oh, Lord, no. The last thing in the world I want to be is stuck in Cincinnati on a snowy night. You know I have to speak to those preachers on the love of God tomorrow morning. I was fuming. You say, you shouldn't do that. I know, but I did. I was running through the airport saying, man, I got to get in that hotel free voucher line pretty quick or get that discount. And I was running through the airport. I noticed on the corner of my eye, a young woman, 28 years old or 30, I don't know, about that age, with a baby on her lap, crying and crying. But I was going to go preach on the love of God. So I just ran right by. About halfway down that jetway, I said, you hypocrite. Somebody said, amen. <laughs> Come on now, give the preacher a break. <laughs> so I said, Lord, I got to go back and talk to that lady. So I walked back, sat next to her, and I said, this may see, seem strange for an old guy in his 60s to sit next to a young lady like you. But I got to tell you, I'm a preacher, and I noticed you were crying, and I didn't know why. I may not have the solution to your problems, but I'm a pretty good listener, and if you want to talk... It's snowing here, and we're not going anywhere, and I'm here to talk. She said, Pastor, I do want to talk. I just left, and I flew all day, hours after hour, from Germany. My husband's in the military. He was transferred to Iraq. I have the baby now. I don't know what to do. I'm on my way to Kansas because, to tell you the truth, at the military base, they diagnosed that I have a lump in my breast, and it's malignant. I'm here in this airport stuck with a crying baby with a husband who's in Iraq with cancer. She said, Pastor, my, my parents are, with, are waiting for me in Kansas City. They're not going to know what's happened. 
I don't have a cell phone. I said, we solve that right now. Here's my cell phone. Call your parents. She called him and said, I'm stuck in the airport. I said, now the next thing that we got to do is get your room for tonight. She said, but pastor, problem is the military deposits money in my husband's account tomorrow. I'll have it tomorrow. I said, look, when you check in, you don't need that. Let me get you a voucher. So we went in the line, and I know a little bit about airports because I have been there many, many times traveling the world. You know the system after a while. So we got her at a hotel voucher, got her on the way on her bus. The Bible says, bear you one another's burdens. Who is there around you that you can touch with God's grace? Who is there around you that you can minister love to? Who is there in the congregation that you will attend this week that you can look at Do you attend congregations saying, what am I going to get out of this? Oh, I went today and didn't get anything out of it. Well, bless your heart. What did you give? What did you give? You say, bear you one another's burdens, the Bible says. The Bible says, assemble together, consider one another, stir up love. In other words, share the burdens of others and allow God to enable you to be an agent of love to touch other people's lives. You've been listening to Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. We hope you've enjoyed today's message and remind you that you can find more in our many ministry resources at hopelives365.com. And you can support this ministry by going to hopelives365.com slash donate. And now, a final thought from Pastor Mark. Christ is alive. He is a friend ever interceding for us. Jesus is alive at the throne of God. And as we come to that throne, he gives to us strength for life's journey. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through him. 